Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Bible, look at uh, Romans chapter 12. We've been uh, in Romans 12 now for uh, four or five weeks. I've entitled the message, The Greatest Thing in All the World. The Greatest Thing in All the World. Look at, uh, uh, look at Romans 12 verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hating, it's, uh, it should be hating what is evil, clinging to what is good. Well, the greatest thing in all the world. I hope that uh, you celebrated Valentine's Day uh, this past uh, Thursday night. Uh, woe unto you if you missed it, men. I'm sorry I wasn't there Monday night. We were with Finney and Stu. I always give the guys advance warning. It's like, guys, this week's Valentine's Day, and it's like, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't there. I hope you weren't uh, in trouble because... Uh, you missed it, but I hope you celebrate. Valentine's, uh, you know, some, some hate it. They say, well, it's contrived, fabricated, commercialized. You know, uh, the, it, it may be, sure. But, you know, sometimes we need that, right? We need to be reminded uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to show love to those that uh, we love, our loved ones. And uh, you can make it special. Faith and I certainly enjoyed ourselves. I, uh, I, it was one of these rare occasions where I planned the whole thing, and, and it was uh, four different stops, and she didn't know where she was going from one to the other. And, uh, boy, I had a ball with that. I thought of it a few days earlier. I said, I'm going to do this this time, see what she thinks. Wow, I'm so amazed. It, was so, it turned out so good, I'm going to do it more often. <laughs> right there? That, uh, that was, well, it was, it's a special day for us to express our love to those who are dear. You know, today we hear a lot about love. And the liberal churches, you know, they not only robbed the gold from heaven and took the fire out of hell in their unbelief of the Bible, but uh, they went into a syrupy sort of sentimental love is everything. They love their favorite verses. God is love. It is true, but it's not all that he is. And uh, sometimes as a result of that, those of us evangelicals who love the Word of God we sort of steer clear of, of this thing called love because uh, they sort of uh, have a monopoly on it uh, to our shame. Uh, you know, the reality is, is that God is love. The greatest demonstration of love is he gave his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We love him because he first loved us. Love is the, is the main street of the Christian life. I don't know if you ever thought about it that way. We are to be very tender-hearted, loving people. What description ought to describe you? Well, you, ought, you ought to be growing in holiness. You ought to be growing in your sanctification, your love for the Scriptures, your knowledge of the Word. You ought to be growing in wisdom. But we must say this, if you know Christ the Lord as Savior, you ought to be demonstrating the reality of the love of Christ in you. You know, the early church said, uh, it was said of the early church, uh, Oh, how they love one another. And I'm thankful here at Grace. There's a, 
there's such a tender-hearted love for each other, a care. It's a family, even as Aaron mentioned earlier, and it is, and it ought to be. We have a number of folks that aren't here today, and when you're not, you're not here, we miss you and, and hope that all is, is well. As right, well, we should. It's a loving, caring body. Listen, that's the kind of church I'm going to be a part of. I'm not going to have any business with the rest. It's getting later in the game for me. I'm not going to waste my time. And I know that each one of you feel the same way about that. So love is not only for Valentine's Day, for husbands and wives and for the expression of that, but it, uh, love ought to be the theme that God is producing in your heart and life, and it ought to be manifested every single day. And even for those that uh, abuse you and speak harshly to you and hate you and, and treat, treat you badly, I mean, the least you can do is, is to respond in a loving way to them. Why? Because in short order, they're going to be dead. And if they're not saved, they'll live forever and ever in the lake of fire. And for you to speak a kind word to them in the sum total of their existence will be something that is so rare and so merciful and so kind. And you and I ought to do that. And people treat us that way, don't they? Sometimes they do. We get screamed at, yelled at, misunderstood. People hate us. And we look good and smell good and we're kind, but they still hate us. Well, it's part of the reason is, and probably the major one, if people know you're Christ uh, and belong to Christ, it's because of Christ in you. Remember, there was a day when the vicinity of God was in the midst of men and women, and men killed him. They can't kill him anymore, but they kill little Christ called Christian. And if they don't kill them, they say terrible things like slandering, which is killing without knives. And they would harm us if they could do more. And so love ought to be a quality that flows through your life. It ought to be a major quality of our church, loving, tender-hearted love, the love of God within us. Well, we hear today a lot about love, don't we? Some of you are ch children of the 60s and the 70s, right? Much of this falls far short of God's love. Often it's extremely selfish. I love you, baby, for what you do for me. You make me feel so good. Well, that, I got news for you, selfish from A to Z on that, isn't it? Boy, you give me great pleasure. I love you. Uh, I don't think so. That's not the love of God. God never looked down and said, boy, look at those people. They give me great pleasure. Uh, it's hard to believe. I read some of those Psalms where it says God delights in, the, in his children. I go, like, it's hard to imagine God delights in anything that we do. But uh, it is the love of God within us. And much of it in our day is selfish. And much of it is sensual. It's sexual. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's the lascivious type of love, right? The, the rock stars saying, uh, love, 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 love. What are they talking about? Probably sensual love. That's the kind of love we hear today. Or selfish love. Sometimes it's a, it's a brotherly love, but not too much. It's the other kinds, and you would agree with that. Well, Paul as we've been studying it, and has unfolded the gospel track in the book of Romans. And uh, we have said it before, it's in Romans chapter 1 to 8, it's the longest gospel track in all the Bible. He had never gone to Rome. He wanted to make sure the Romans got the right message. He was going to visit there. He finally, uh, tradition tells us, would be, would be executed there by Nero. And so he lays out the gospel. It's a wonderful thing. And it ends in chapter 8 there, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. 
And then as a result of that, uh, when he comes to 12, the implication of the gospel is, is that we are to worship the Lord. And we saw that. That's what we do when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And that's what you and I ought to do. It's the least we can do. He made us. He created us. He has saved us, if you know him, and he's making you like Christ. So the least we can do is, Lord, here I am, use me. Not much, but use me. And so that's a worship as we offer ourselves back to the Lord, verses 1 and 2. Then verse 3, we saw that we're to be humble. He said it so clearly in, in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to everyone, do not think more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith. We're to be humble. We're to realize who we are, created creatures, not very big, not very mighty, puny, right? Sinful, wonderfully redeemed, and realize yet special, made in God's image, but not more, not less. Next, we saw that we're to use the gifts that God gave us to be a blessing. Uh, if, you, if you know Christ, God has given you a gift. Don't we love gifts? Birthday parties and, and uh, maybe Valentine's Day, you exchange gifts and Christmas gifts. God has given you a gift, and you're to use it. You're, you're to use it in the body. The body needs you. you. You need the body. We saw that. You use your gifts maybe for your employment. Uh, maybe you're a teacher, and, and maybe your gift is in the area of service and, and, or maybe helps and or maybe musical talents, and you use that, and you use your, maybe it's management or administration. You use that not only to make an income, but you're to use these gifts in the body, and it causes the body be, to be healthy. Well, after all these, after verse 8, Paul then tells of the wonderful love that God has and will shine brightly through us to others. It's the great commandment. We began the year by saying, what's the great command, the greatest imperative of all? That we're to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and our soul and our mind. It's the great commandment. It sums up the first four of the, of the Ten Commandments. If you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you're not going to have any other gods before him. You're going to worship him. You'll never profane his name, you see. And then the Lord went on to say, and the second commandment is like it. It speaks to where we are today. We will love God, and then horizontally, we're to love our neighbor, even as we already love ourselves. You don't walk in and say, I don't love myself. Well, what the Lord means by that is, in the right sense, you do. You bathe your body, I hope. We appreciate it that you do that. You comb your hair. It's obvious most of you do. Some don't have to do much with that. It's getting thinner. Jim, I don't, you don't know. No, no problem there. Yeah, we appreciate you. And you, you're dressed and you look good. I mean, you, and you feed yourself. You notice that? You eat two, three times a day. It's that habit. We sort of do that. We care for ourselves, groom ourselves, live indoors. Anybody sleep outdoors last night? See, so you love yourself enough to take care of the body God has given. We're thankful for that. And that, that's a way. And we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Husbands to love his wife that way, you see. Ephesians 5. And so it's really the second commandment. Well, in, in Romans 12, 9, we discover there are two considerations describing the love that ought to be expressed in your day-to-day -day life. This is immensely practical. 
I'm saying to you, if you possess the gospel, if you are truly saved, God has given you a new nature. It's a new disposition. It's sometimes called a new heart. You have an, before you had an inclination against God to the flesh and to sin. And uh, with your salvation, you have a new disposition, a new heart. And that heart God has given to you, along with the Holy Spirit, and it is an inclination to, to love. And it ought to flow through you. It's not something you have to work up. It's not like one time I was working out with physical fitness, and I had to do the Marines' physical fitness. I had to do 18 chin-ups. I had to do them without swinging. All the first time, I said, I get seven. What am I, a wimp? What am I, I found out within about 10 days I could get it up to 20, working at it. That's, I was surprised. I, I work up to it. This love is not saying, I'm going to work up to this. It isn't that way. It's, it's, the, it's the living gospel that God has put in your heart if you're saved, and it, and it just will flow through you to others. And sometimes it's remarkable because some of us are really ugly before we're saved. We all have problems. We're all under judgment and sin. And to see God change in the grace of God in your life and in mine, and to return a soft word rather than I, before I used to grab the guy by the throat, and now I feel badly for him. And there's a tenderness there, and the love, and a concern, and even a prayer life. And it ought to flow. Well, it ought to be. Well, the greatest of these is love. We'll look at that chapter later. Now, the first consideration, we're to love others with genuine sincerity, without any pretense. That's uh, what he's saying in verse 9. He says, love must be sincere in the NIV. must be sincere. Paul uses uh, the word agape. Most of you are familiar with that. We'll, we'll talk more about that. It's the word that describes God to love. It's, it's, uh, it's the word in, in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. It's, uh, it's God's love. God is love. That uh, 1 John 4.8, it's that same word. It's, a, it's agape. It's, uh, it's the love of God. Uh, it's not a mere sentimental emotion. Sometimes I can get that way with faithy. I can feel all kinds of feelings and romance and all that kind of good thing. And those are good things. God built us with that. And, and, and likewise, right? It's not that kind of love. It's love that uh, does what is best for that which is loved. It's selfless to the core. That's the way God loves. It's doing what's best for the one who is loved. Paul tells us two specific things about this love in our passage. He says here that we are to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So we would say the first thing is it must be a genuine love. It must be sincere. Now in the ancient day, uh, they would uh, do all sorts of pottery. How, any of you uh, have a pottery wheel and you like doing that kind of thing? Anybody at all? No? Uh, they would uh, make pottery, and of course it was uh, essential in that day. They'd use it for not only drinking and for utensils at the table, but for storage and some of these things, not having the freezers and refrigeration that we have today and enjoy that. It was even more critical that they had uh, good pottery some of it was beautiful vases or vases, if you're cultured, I guess. And, uh, and what they would, it was common in that, uh, in that day of, of Paul 
to uh, have a nice piece of pottery and stamped on the bottom of it. Uh, you can see it on the sinceria. Uh, it would be stamped. You see, it was uh, the scoundrels in that day would take a piece of pottery that was inferior. It would have little, little hairline cracks and pits in it. And what they would do is melt wax and then fill the cracks and the pits and then have it glazed or painted and uh, sell inferior pottery for a higher price. Now, you know, man, would he ever do such a thing as that? I can't imagine it. <laughs> uh, and if you believe that, I've got a bridge in New York for you. But uh, uh, yes, they did that. And so the good stuff that didn't have cracks and didn't have pits and had no wax, the gla glass over that imperfection, would be stamped on the bottom, sinceria, which are Latin words, which means without wax. It was the genuine, real good stuff. And that's the word, that's where we get the word sincere in, in the English, without wax, is its, its etymology. And they, Paul is saying, in the body, our love and in our life must be sincere. Nothing glazing over that which is false. Well, the Greek word, in the, if you look at the New Testament, is, uh, is the word that you translate it would be uh, to not be a hypocrite. Uh, unhypocritical. Well, what's that mean? Well, it means without a mask. In the Greek theater, an actor or an actor wore a mask. You knew that, right? In fact, some of you know the theatrical arts better than others, and that's the symbol of uh, theater. You'll see it, the mask, and sometimes they cross them, and it's, it's the mask that they would hold up. And uh, what they would do then is they would each play different parts, and they were typically all men that were the actors. They'd hold the mask up, and a, and a guy would go into a pseudo voce and speak with a woman's voice like this, and then they'd go over here and do another part, hold the mask up over here. And, well, what did that mean? It, it means they were the, the hypocrite men, that they were acting. What you saw was not what was really there. And so in the, in the Greek, very clearly, he's saying here that our love, this agape selfless love, needs to be a, uh, without a mask. Our love is to be genuine to the core. It's to, we're to truly love in a genuine, sincere way. We're to resist role-playing. And we can easily do that, can't we? We can easily go into the role-playing, what's expected, I guess I'll do it, and what's on the outside does not reflect what's on the inside. And you know what? God hates that. He always, always hates hypocrisy. Check, uh, if you will, uh, Acts with Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, God struck them dead in the early days. They gave an offering uh, there as if they had sold all the land. Now, they, they could have just said, here's half of it. And they would have been genuine and, and real. But they play-acted. In Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, and they gave it as if it were the total sum of money from the land to the support of the saints that were saved after Pentecost. And they were struck dead, one than the other. It's a, it, it ends forever. The question, does God hate hypocrisy? He hates it. He hates it. He hates it. And yet, within our flesh, we can act. How, how do we do that? We can do it by... By, we know we're not where we ought to be spiritually. 
We know that. It's been days since we've read our Bible. It's been a long time since we've, we've borne witness. It's been days since we've prayed. And yet we can just go through the motions. And God hates that. We can go through the motions in a relationship with others, even here at Grace, in your families, your marriages, with your children. Go through the motions. And it's not genuine. Oh, we can hide anger or bitterness or hatred deep and, and, and pretend that we love God. We can pretend that we love one another or love that one. God hates that, and he knows it all. The answer is, uh, of course, is that we need to come to repentance and ask the Lord to snuff that out and that tendency in us, the role play ever, and to be genuine from the inside out and find it safe. Lord, this is what you want me to be. This is the love of God in me. May I be that and not do this role-playing. One, one of the writers said, I have it on a sheet, get off the stage and drop our masks and be genuine. This love is sincere. It's genuine. I just remind you, just by review, there are four common, there are a few more Greek words than this, but four commonly Greek words used for love in, in ancient Rome uh, storgy is the first one. I, I spelled that wrong on the sheet. It should be storgy. Uh, S-T-O-R-G-E. That's a family love. And we love that, don't we? Family love. Love. Uh, uh, blood is thicker than water. Sometimes you'll hear it that way, you know. Sometimes in family business, you, we don't trust anyone except our family. You know, these kind of things. I grew up in a family business and and and. It wasn't said that way, but the more family, the better kind of a thing. Storgy is that family love. The second uh, word uh, that, uh, that you all know, I'm sure most of you, is eros, erotica. That's sexual love. Uh, we know it is, uh, is that. And it, it, it's, a, it's, it's God gave that. It's a gift. But in our day, it's abuse. So we get erotica, pornography, these kind of things, this physical love. Uh, good things, it's a gift of God, but can be abused. The third word is philia, Philadelphia. That's the reciprocal friendship love, in you know, the give and take of a dear friend. Different from family, different from sexual, physical love, but it's the, it's the friendship love. You, you know what I mean by that. It's a beautiful thing. It's reciprocal. Um, there's a give and take. We see it... Uh, uh, of David and Jonathan in the Bible, a beautiful love. Uh, and, uh, and, and so on. And you, and you know what that is. And the last one is this word agape, this selfless love, this love of God. It is this God-like love that we are to have for other people. And I pray that you do, that it's genuine and it's real, not only to the redeemed that needs to be here, oh, how they love one another, but, but that we would lovingly care for people that are lost, the people that we work with, people that we play on our sports teams with, and, and that uh, we would return a soft answer and demonstrating love, that we would be kind to them, and that we would look out for their needs as well. And we need to do that. We need to do that better as a church in our community, to tie into this area that God has given to us uh, and, and, and genuinely care. I always... I thought Wendell Kempton went home to be of the Lord here a few weeks ago, and we sorely miss. I sorely miss one of my best friends. And uh, one thing that was said, and I think I recounted it once, 
was that uh, this tremendous man who, who moved the whole ABWE to uh, this area, God used this leadership, uh, was such a tender-hearted man and such a wonderful uh, man who presented the gospel to so many people that God used around the world. And it was said at his funeral that as Wendell would have opportunity to befriend people and reach out to them, that uh, these unsaved folks knew that Wendell loved them before they ever heard that God loved them. And I thought to myself, that's a home run. If that epithet could be said of me or of you, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? That, uh, that the world knows that Terry loves them more than even, be, even before they heard the message that God loves. What a fertile soil to impact people's lives with the grace of God. Oh, I pray that that would be true of you and of me. Our love is to be a genuine love. Well, the second thing that Paul says in B2, he says, it's also a discerning love. Uh, we are to, uh, the text says in NIV, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. These are two, some of you could care less, but they're two present active participles that are describing love. They're not separate qualities. They're describing the love that he's already mentioned. And so we say our, this love that uh, God has placed within us and should flow through us, uh, describe this love. First, uh, a, we're to hate evil. This love hates evil. Now, it's almost shocking where you get the word, our love must be sincere. And then with just a few half-breaths, he's talking about hate. Love juxtaposed. Love and hate. You wouldn't expect it. Side by side. But it is, if you think about it, in the true sense of the word. For love has boundaries, and love has restrictions, and love, genuine love of God, hates. I remind you that God is love, and yet he hates sin. God is a God of love, and yet uh, he's a God of wrath. God is a God of love, and, and yet it uh, doesn't mean that, uh, that he loves everything. He doesn't love Satan. He doesn't love the wicked deeds and the evil things that go on. God doesn't love that. Not some mushy sort of Santa Claus kind of... No! That's the figment of the imagination. He is not God. God loves... Yet that is not all that God is. We are to love, then we are to hate. Love must discriminate. Real love does not love everything. It doesn't. It sees evil as the destroyer of real love. Evil will destroy. And so love hates that which is unrighteous or evil. It is. It is true. Well, Judas, we might say, is the great hypocrite in the Bible, isn't he? He betrayed the Lord Jesus with a kiss. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 12 to 15, we discover that God hates religion that is merely formal. He hates it. He hates it, even this God of love. Keep your finger in Romans. I just want to show you... Uh, in in, in uh, Proverbs 6, the expression just is in bold relief, if you will, of a, a category 
of things that God hates. This God of love. God, God who loves. God who sent his son. God who loves us. God who commends his love towards us. We love him because he first loves us. This God hates. He hates these things. And look at these things. And the way it's written is the seventh thing. When it says in verse 16, 616, there, there are six things the Lord hates. And seven that are detestable to him. It means really look at the seventh. If you really want to know what God really, really, really hates. The way of the Hebrew, that's the way this is written. So he hates all these, but he really hates the seventh. That's the idea. Look at this. God hates, he hates haughty eyes. That pride, you see, that, uh, that can come across in the way we look at life and think of ourselves. God hates a lying tongue. Why does God hate a lying? Because he's truth. God tells the truth always, and he expects us to do the same. God hates hands that shed innocent blood. That's murder. God hates a heart that devises wicked schemes. God hates feet that are quick to rush into evil. God hates a false witness who pours out lies. And finally, what God really hates is a man who stirs up dissension among the brethren. You see, our God hates. Our love must be a discerning love. We're not to love uh, everything. There are certain boundaries to it, and we ought to note that. But finally, it's a B, it's a, we must keep clinging to that which is good. Hate the evil, cling to the good. Uh, it's like an epoxy, some of the great glues. I'm glad for that. I'm glad for chemists that come up with these great glues. They have, a, have an assortment in our house. Uh, I've had coffee cups drop right off my handle as they go down. And uh, Faith has a little serving thing. And even this great glue, what's, what's that, uh, Steve, you told me, Gorilla Glue, right? That stuff even glues metal. Faith has a little little cup on the counter. I've got to, I'll probably do that today, dear. <laughs> Been sitting there for a while. <laughs> and the handle, it was a spot riveted on, and I'm going to try that uh, and see if that works, Steve. I'll call you if it doesn't. But, uh, and, and, and put rubber bands, some, some of the great glues that we have, uh, they're incredible. Super glue and some of these, uh, Gorilla Glue, they're great. And that's the idea here. We're to glue be glued to or epoxy to or cling to that which is good. We're to love the truth, the pure, the innocent, the beautiful. We're to be stuck on that, stuck on it. Well, the first consideration describing the love that ought to be expressed in your life, if you know Christ, we saw in verse 9, is we're to love others with a genuine sincerity of heart. Come in open, armed love for all others. That ought to describe us. You can't do it on your own. It's not something you work up to. You have the flesh, even if you're saved, it's still within you, but it's God's desire and yearning to the Spirit of God to do it in you. And yet it's to be a discerning love. It's to be a genuine love. Well, let's, I couldn't resist. I know that, I think, Roger, you spoke on this last year, but for the second consideration, I just wanted to, to enumerate a number of these wonderful uh, qualities of love that are given in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. So turn to that, verse 4 and following. For we see the second 
consideration describing this agape, this love that ought to be expressed in your daily life. We're given a beautiful picture of this love in 1 Corinthians 13, known as the love chapter. And incidentally, this is a special day for, for my family, my birth family, uh, in that uh, this is the day, 56, I figured it out, 56 years ago today, February 17th, my dad and mom were married. They're in the greater Buffalo, New York area. The day that, uh, even though dad's been in heaven 25 years, I never forget and uh, we'll always think of that. So it fit right in with this Valentine's and right where we were in Romans 12. And now we're going to look at this love chapter. How oftentimes this chapter is read at weddings. The bride-to-be will say, I want 1 Corinthians 13 read. You know, and she'll have her maid of honor or someone else read this wonderful quality. For here Paul is going to give 15 wonderful qualities of this love we don't have time to make too much comment about each one of them. This is the love that God has put within you if you're saved. Well, look at verse 4. Love is patient. Love is patient. We're not very patient people, are we? I mean, faith will often say to me, you know, if uh, I'm at the red light or someone cuts me, well, the Lord, what's, what's the Lord teaching you with this? The Lord has a message here. He wants to teach you patience. I don't always respond to her, I'm sorry to say, in the right way when she reminds me of that. But that is true. Does That never happens to any of you. I'm sure that's not true. But uh, love is patient, and the Lord is still working on me. I sang that the other week ago. I won't do that again. But people are difficult. Have you noticed that? Some people can be very, very difficult. You know, making widgets is easier than working with people. Have you noticed that? Widgets never talk back to you and tell you where to get off or other things, you know, body motions and, and all these things. People can be utterly difficult. And it takes the love of God flowing through you and me so we don't deck them or, you know, do a cross-body check, right, Andy? Hockey, you know, the penguins. There you go. Yeah, you may feel like it. We feel like it at times. That's not Christ in you. You'd never have to worry. Is that the Lord in me? No. People are difficult, and people can be exasperating. And have you noticed? People can be slow at times, too. Very slow. I've been out driving behind some of them. And I often will say, it must be nice, Faithy, to have to go nowhere. <laughs> have you been behind that guy, too? I have. I don't know. He's, he, he, is that his name? <laughs> I wonder. I, I just go like, oh, my word. Well, love understands this and is patient. Remember, remember, if you need help in this, how patient God has been with you. Just remember. Oh, my. If you were God and he were you, oh, man, what would you do to yourself? Oh, man, I would have just, forget, I won't go down that street. That's scary. But love is patient. Paul goes on to say, love, this love, this agape, is, is be, is kind. The world is filled with hurting people. If you don't see them, you got your eyes shut. They're everywhere. The loss, suffering, sickness, disappointment, loneliness. People say to me, Pastor, I didn't know life was going to turn out this way. I don't know where we get this stuff. I know we, we read, and they live happily ever after in the nursery rhymes. Oh, isn't that great? And the girl, and the, you know, I'm waiting for Prince Charming to come in and all the rest. 
I got news for you. That's not life here in the fallen world. It's upside down. And people are hurting. And, and we hurt. We need the love of God from each other. And we need to be that to others. We need to be the mouth and the eyes and the hands and the ears and the feet of the Lord Jesus to others. We need to be that. Love is kind. Kind. Love does what it can to help. It serves. It's quick to speak an encouraging word. Quick to offer a hand to those around us. That's, that's, that's what I want God to do in me. I don't want to be so self-centered with my own P's and Q's that I'm oblivious to people around me. And that God doesn't want you to be that way. And yet we need to have a schedule. God wants us to be productive. God wants us to do these things, of course. But in the midst of that, to be sensitive to those that are around us. And incidentally, God is sovereign. Have you noticed? He's sovereign. He governs all things. And the people that are around you are not an accident. God has placed people around us. And he's building his church, and he wants to use you, and he wants to use me. And we need to be tuned into that. Your, 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 your mission in life isn't just to get a big bank account, just to make the best or be well-known and all that. It isn't any of that. That's a dead end, all that stuff. It is. But to be a blessing to others and kindness. We'll see. Love doesn't envy. Boy, we live in a day that's filled with that. Envy. Envy. Incidentally, the next eight of these qualities are negative. It tells us what love does not do. And I like that. Sometimes when you say it's this, but it's not that, it helps define it for me so I can see it. It brings it into focus more with, with, with greater clarity. It, uh, it's not envious. We live in a day that's filled with all sorts of jealousy. We see it in the political realm. A lot of the class warfare the haves, the have-nots, and the, the turning of, of people against each other. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult day that way in Washington and Harrisburg and other places. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be. And love does not envy. You know what? It's glad when others win honors. It's glad from the heart when you don't get it, but they get the uh, recognition. Why? Because, here it is, and this is, this is worth a gold. There is contentment with the life that God has given. Deep contentment. You know who you are. You're using your gifts. You're a blessing. And when others around you are, are elevated or are, are honored, you go like, isn't that great? You know, there are not too many people in the world that are happy when you succeed. You know, they wish you'd fail. They wish you'd fail raising your kids. They wish you'd fail in life. They wish you'd just bomb out. They'd feel better about themselves. Don't you think along those lines. That's not God's love within you. You ought to know who you are. You ought to be contented. You ought to be up to date in, in confession of sin and walking with the Lord. And, and you ought to be serving the Lord. And when those around you are on, you ought to say, isn't that wonderful? I am genuinely happy for you. That's the love of Christ. That is. That's what he's talking about. D, it does not boast. What's that mean? It doesn't call attention to oneself. E, uh, love is not proud, it's humble. There's no huge, inflated, grandiose ideas of oneself. I've arrived, now we can start, you know, none of that. We're to be servants. Uh, it's uh, F, it's, uh, it's not rude. 
this agape love that Paul is saying we are to love with sincerity. It's not rude. It's courteous. I'll say it again. Men, you ought to be courteous uh, with your wives. You ought to show chivalry. Uh, help them on with their coats and open the doors. And You know what? It's a reminder. You know what? It, with, I enjoy that with Faithy. Don't always do it, but most of the time I do that. It reminds her that uh, I'm, I'm your man and you're my woman and you're not the same as me and I love caring for you. And she enjoys it as well. It's a little reminder. I love you. I love you. You're special. That's not out of, that's not out of date. That didn't go out in the 60s. Unisex everything, we're all the same. That's the culture we live in with no distinction. I got news for you. You ought to practice that. There's a coldness in your marriage. You ought to go back. That's probably one of the reasons why you started showing kindness uh, and you were, you've been rude to your, to your wife. Good manners are never out of season. Love listens. I work on that because, you know, I get paid to speak a lot, so I figure, like, I ought to speak, you know. I, I need to shut my mouth more and listen more. Love listens. It listens. It listens. And it doesn't listen with, hurry up and get done because I'm going to forget what I'm going to say and I want to say it. Sometimes we do that. So you look like, well, I don't know what he's talking about. You do the same thing. And love listens. Pull out a tablet and write down your thought quickly so then you can really listen without being in a rush to spit it out. Probably wasn't that important what you're going to say anyway. It doesn't dominate. It's this rudeness. Gee, love is not self-seeking. It does, it should say it does not. I missed that. It does not ask, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? It thinks of the one it loves. H, here's one. Note this one. Love is not easily angered. You know, anger destroys. Anger is a terrible thing. Unabated anger will kill, it'll slander, it'll ruin a marriage. And we're not to harbor anger against our wives, wives against our husband, parents against children, children against parents. You need to deal with it. I'm not saying we don't have reason to be angry. Anger is a block goal. I wanted this, it didn't happen, I'm angry. You need to ask God to expunge that from your heart. If you know Christ, it cannot reside in there. You cannot serve him with an angry heart. You cannot do it. And I would submit to you, it's not a righteous anger that most of us have. It's the real deal, and it's sin from beginning to end. Beware of anger. We're not, love is not easily angered. Anger destroys marriages, families, churches. I've seen it in a church, just destroy people, divide people. It's, it's, it's a horrible thing. It produces misery of all kinds. And love is the exact opposite of that in this great portrait. Uh, I, it uh, keeps no record of wrongs. There's one. Wow. That's a big one, don't we? When we're wronged, I'll never forget that. I have hear people say that. I can't let it go, Pastor. I've been hurt. Listen, we've all been hurt. We've been run through. They stick the sword in and pull it out. The good news is, I found, is when the sword goes in the second time, it doesn't hurt as the same. First time, it's real tender. Whoa. Second time, they run you through. Not quite as painful. Third time, not as much. But don't you keep a diary of wrongs. 
mental list. That'll ruin a marriage. It'll ruin a church. I wanted to be deacon. They passed me over. I won't forget it. Keep no record wrong. Maybe you should have been, but maybe you shouldn't have been, and you're exhibiting why you're not. It's true. I've counseled with gals and, and, uh, and their hubbies, and, and a woman uh, uh, has an unwritten diary of all the things that he did, and she can't let it go. She won't, she won't let it go. That's the right word. And she wonders why he's not in a hurry to come home. There's no romance. And, and uh, he seems so occupied with work and sports and other things. Because uh, she'll tell you everything he ever did wrong. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Aren't you glad that God doesn't keep a record of all your sin? Oh, my word. As the psalmist says that, Lord, if you kept a record of wrong, I, I read that and I loathe think, oh, Lord, please. That, that record would be so long, I'd never want to. Is that the record you don't want to see? It's under the blood of Christ if you're saved. Oh, man. I don't want him pulling that thing out at the Bama seat. It's under the blood. It's forgiven. God doesn't say, hey, remember back when? Hey, dear Christian, as far as the east is from the west, and that's the way we are to treat each other. No record of wrong. Well, Jay, quickly now, love does not delight in evil. Love hates wickedness. It's not amused by dressed-up wrongdoing on TV or in the movies uh, uh, or on the Internet or all that. It, 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 it hates that because it destroys. It doesn't delight in evil. Okay, it rejoices in the truth. It loves the truth. It loves the righteous. It loves the Scriptures. Oh, I hope you love the Bible. It's truth. If you could chase it at the end, the truth would be the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Word of God is the written Word, and, and you ought to love your Bible. My Bible and I throughout life, it's truth. Uh, L, it always protects. Love protects. Always. Always. I saw it exhibited. Dave and I were watching a uh, Discovery uh, uh, program this week, and it showed... Uh, these bears up in Alaska, and we saw it in the animal world where uh, they were out on the stream for the salmon, the king salmon runs, and <laughs> it's so funny. I've, up, I've been up there on, a, on occasion and caught them one time, uh, but not the king or not the, uh, the salmon that were running at that time, the cohos. The, the, the bear would stand at the waterfall and they'd jump up and it went right in his mouth. I said, man, life is good. But there was a mama there with two of her cubs. And they jockey for position. And the king bear, the big maha of the, of the group, he gets the premier, premier, premier spot. And there was the mother and her cubs. And uh, one of the males went over kind of swiping at the cup. You should have seen that female bear. And she was two-thirds the size of this big male. And she about beat him to death. <laughs> Unbelievable. That male was not going to mess with her cups. And I was, I was thinking of this text. Love protects. It protects. How many of you would take a bullet if it were in front of your child? I would do that. In a I wouldn't even think about it. I don't have to be secret service when you jump in front of the president. I would do that in a minute. Someone came into my house with a knife or a gun. I'd go down and beat him silly. 
at the front door. I'd run down that steps. And if he killed me, he'd get through me first before he goes anywhere to my loved ones. See, love protects. We know that, don't we? And that's what we do as men. We're, we're to be protectors of our family. Love protects. And that's what this agape love, this sincere love does. Well, love trusts. Love is never suspicious. It's not stupid. It's not a naivety type of love. But what it is is that true love always thinks the best. It thinks the best. Now, why are snooping around? What does that mean? What's the end? Double entendre, and you were, you know, it, it believes the best. There's a beauty there. And that's what this love of God within us ought to do. And, and love always hopes. It uh, does not stop loving because it's not loved in return. That happens to us in times. It always forgives, and it always hopes. And finally, love always perseveres. It never gives up. It's indomitable. It outlasts hate and evil. It perseveres. Wow. What a portrait. You know, some people love the Mona Lisa. Have you ever seen the pictures of the Mona Lisa? I can't figure out why people love that thing. Or Whistler's mother, you know, like, oh, please, you know. Paul? I can't, you have to see it in the flesh? Does she look better when you're standing in front of it? Yeah. All right. Well, there's hope. There's hope for her. I mean, I mean really, I, I go like, oh, my, please. And I know they, they couldn't smile because they had to hold that, that uh, position for a long time while the artist was painting that, so they looked kind of stiff upper lip kind of a thing, you know. In any event, this is, a, <laughs> this is a portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ. All this. We're to love with sincerity. It's to be a genuine love. It's to be a, a discriminating love. And here's the portrait of love, and, and it's the picture of Christ. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. He is the personification of love, and so should we be. If you own him as your Lord and Savior, love is the greatest thing in, in all of our fallen and sin, selfish and death-bound world. It, you know, it's, it's the bright light in the midst of the darkness of the world we live in, this hopeless world, this selfish world, this, this world that's filled with all sorts of evil, and there's this brilliant ray of light that God shines abundantly in your heart and mind if you know him and own him as your Savior. We are lights, and we're to let the light of Christ shine forth to others. Take heart. It's God's uh, work within you. The world cannot see God, but if we love each other, the world will see God's love in you and in me. Well, what can we say by way of lessons for our life? Lessons for our life. Number one, if you're a Christian, God's love will flow through you to others. And that's what God's doing. He wants to do that. He wants his love to flow through you to others. And God will produce this in you. You don't have to work it up like doing chin-ups. 
it'll flow through. If you're the man or woman, boy or girl, that you need to be, walking with the Lord daily, up current with your, with your sin and your fellowship with Him, and you're walking with Him, God will do this. And it's, it's wonderful. You'll see yourself changing. Others will see it more than you will. And they'll say, wow, what's happening? It's the love of Christ in you. Number two, what's the second lesson? Resist the temptation to fake it in every area of life. But here in this love, be genuine in your love. Be genuine from the heart outward. And if there's hindrances there, find out what they are and deal with that. Submit it's probably sin that you have not dealt with. Resist that temptation to be less than genuine and to fake it, to be hypocritical. Number three, do not be easily angered. I just thought this is, this is one that's really a big issue. Don't be easily angered. It will, it will damage and destroy so much. It is destructive. We talked about the atomic bomb and those kind of weapons. We don't want the Iranians to have that. Oh, God forbid that they should get that. The destruction that would be unleashed there in the Middle East. They bomb Tel Aviv and all that. Listen, anger. Anger does much more than even that. It's destructive. It'll destroy you. Your relationship with your parents, your children, husband's wife, your friends. Anger. Anger. Lord, deal with me. Expunge that from my heart. Number four. Express God's love by being kind to all others. Will you do that? Say, Lord, let me be your hands and feet and mouth and May the kindness of Christ flow through me, even when I'm wrong. I may feel like grabbing him by the, the collar or the neck. Lord, let me express kindness to them. And if you can't, when you're offended, just don't say anything. That's better. Just zip it, you know, like kindergarten. Throw the key away and come back another day. And number five and last, Perhaps the, the, the lack of this love in your life reveals your lostness. You say, well, well, Pastor, I can't love this way. Are you kidding? This is God's love in you. And if you, you, you may have professed Christ, but you have no desire, it's not within you, this yearning for the love of Christ to flow through you, it may be the greatest telltale that you're not saved. You need to this day, before this day passes, Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And say like the penitent thief, the tax collector said, Be merciful unto me, Lord, a sinner, and receive Christ as your Savior. I'm always available to pray with you, to talk with you about your need of Christ. See me after, call me during the week. Don't let the day pass. Well, this last week was Valentine's Day. Won't be around for another year. The eyes got another warning. Twelve months out, a day of love. But it's not only for one day a year, is it? It isn't. We ought to express our love and look to ways to do that through kind notes, through words, through caring, uh, for being the men and women that Christ wants us to be so it would be Christ in us and through us to all that we should meet. That's the greatest thing in the world. You are different from the unsaved if you're saved. It's the light of Christ in you.